invade on Europe, they led an army into Asia. Now, as for carrying off of women, it is the deed, they say, of a rogue. But to make a stir about such as are carried off argues a man a fool. Men of sense care nothing for such women, since it's plain that without their own consent they would never be forced away. The Asiatics, when the Greeks ran off with their women, never troubled themselves about the matter, but the Greeks, for the sake of a single Lacedaemonian girl, collected a vast armament, invaded Asia, and destroyed the kingdom of Priam. Henceforth they ever looked upon the Greeks as their open enemies. For Asia, with all the various tribes of barbarians that inhabited, is regarded by the Persians as their own. But Europe and the Greek race they look on as distinct and separate. Such is the account which the Persians give of these matters. They trace to the attack upon Troy their ancient enmity towards the Greeks. The Phoenicians, however, as regards Io, vary from the Persian statements. They deny that they used any violence to remove her into Egypt, she herself, they say, having formed an intimacy with the captain while his vessel lay at Argos, and perceiving herself to be with child of her own free will, accompanied the Phoenicians on their leaving the shore to escape the shame of detection and the reproaches of her parents. Whether this latter account be true, or whether the matter happened otherwise, I shan't discuss further. I'll proceed at once to point out the person who first, within my own knowledge, inflicted injury on the Greeks, after which I'll go forward with my history, describing equally the greater and the lesser cities. For the cities which were formerly great have most of them become insignificant, and such as are at present powerful were weak in the olden time. I'll therefore discourse equally of both, convinced that human happiness never continues long in one's day. Croesus, son of Aliates, by birth a Lydian, was lord of all the nations to the west of the river Halys. This stream, which separates Syria from Paphlagonia, runs with a course from south to north, and finally falls into the Euxine. So far as our knowledge goes, he was the first of the barbarians who had dealings with the Greeks, forcing some of them to become his tributaries and entering into alliance with others. He conquered the Aeolians, Ionians, and Dorians of Asia and made a treaty with the Lacedaemonians. Up to that time, all Greeks had been free. For the Sumerian attack upon Ionia, which was earlier than Croesus, was not a conquest of the cities, but only an inroad for plundering. The sovereignty of Lydia, which had belonged to the Heraclides, passed into the family of Croesus, who were called the Myrmnidae, in the manner which I will now relate. There was a certain king of Sardis, Candoles by name, whom the Greeks called Mercilus. He was a descendant of Alcaeus, son of Heracles. The first king of this dynasty was Agron, son of Ninus, grandson of Bel, and great-grandson of Alcaeus. Candoles, son of Mercus, was the last. The kings who reigned before Agron sprang from Lydus, son of Attis, from whom the people of the land, called previously Meonians, received the name of Lydians. The Heraclides descended from Heracles and the slave girl of Jardinus, 
having been entrusted by these princes with the management of affairs, obtained the kingdom by an oracle. Their rule endured for two and twenty generations of men, a space of five hundred and five years, during the whole of which period, from Agron to Candoles, the crown descended in the direct line from father to son. Now it happened that this Candoles was in love with his own wife, and not only so, but thought her the fairest woman in the whole world. This fancy had strange consequences. There was in his bodyguard a man whom he specially favoured, Gyges, the son of Dasculus. All affairs of greatest moment were entrusted by Candoles to this person, and to him he was wont to extol the surpassing beauty of his wife. So matters went on for a while. At length, one day, Candoles, who was fated to end ill, thus addressed his follower. I see thou dost not credit what I tell thee of my lady's loveliness, but come now since...